Welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for another journey. Living Hope, our weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for sharing the real-life stories of those really affected and how they deal with it on a daily basis. With your host, the woman who, I don't say she knows the most about this, but she knows a bunch, Roberta Luna. Welcome. Thank you. Seems like I learn a little bit more every day and every time we do a talk like this. I really appreciate the opportunity. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Lee Reitler and his wife, Dwayne. Thank you both for joining us. I really do appreciate it. And sorry for the little technical difficulty we just had, but I do appreciate your your patience and your joining us. Our Um, pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Dr. Reitler, are you all right? Is it all right if I call you Lee? It is. Thank my you. <laughs> Thank you. I just I want to do that respectful thing and and acknowledge your title as well. What was your specialty, or what is your specialty? I know you're retired, but you're still doing some telemedical. So, what is your specialty? Uh, family medicine. Oh, great. Thank you. And could you please share with us your connection to pancreatic cancer? Yes, it was my wife's journey. Uh, she was a hospice nurse and had just retired from that and. We were experiencing, well, she was experiencing some pain in the upper abdomen. It was really minor, very, very minor, and didn't notice it much. And then we traveled to Mexico to a timeshare. We went to over here in Cabo. And I think the first thing I noticed, and in fact, she'd really appreciate a little uh, lighthearted discussion of it, is that every day we wanted to take a walk. And I, w- I wondered why this walk? And in fact, she wanted to see George Clooney's house. <laughs> so we'd walk four miles every day. We did this every year, took the trip, and never saw George Clooney. And so the last year, she said, you know, I don't feel like walking that far today. We just go halfway. So I probably should have known something was up. Went back home, and I remember the next thing that she showed me that was a light bulb was that she said, look, uh, I'm back in these size two skinny jeans. And should have realized that that was an indication something was going on and she asked for a little more with a belly ache so i had a friend who was a gastroenterologist perform an endoscopy looked down her stomach and nothing was wrong and then i asked a colleague to order an ultrasound and then we found wide, widespread metastases and then consulted with various people including pan can and including friends who were oncologists and traveled through ucla route doctors in Santa Monica, Torrance, and so forth. And she was able to survive 19 months, and I lost her in 2014, no, 15. How long did she have her symptoms before she was actually diagnosed? Six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. And yet, they were very mild, very mild and very subtle, which is the re- one of the really cruel things about this disease. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, I mean, I, I know I, I look back, too, and think I should have seen things when my dad was before he was diagnosed. But it's one of those things that I don't think, you know, hindsight looking back, yes, we see these things. But unfortunately, it's not something that we would have thought of, you know, firsthand. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. And, and you know, I, I know it can be difficult, but we're we're wanting to put a face to this disease and not just have it be st- about statistics. So I do appreciate your coming on and talking about about this, I'm sure it's a little difficult to go back and relive. Um, was your wife able to receive any treatment at all? Yes, she received chemotherapy most of the months. Uh, 
went to Westwood and had chemotherapy, no radiation therapy, just chemotherapy. And it was, a, it was a difficult struggle, but most of the months, I think she thought it was worth fighting in that she was able to see grandchildren grow up a little longer. And we took a few trips, one to Hawaii, a couple to see our sons. So life was worth living. So it sounds like she still had a good quality of life, even though she was receiving treatment. Did she have any side effects from the chemo? I'm sorry. A fair quality of life. I, I, I think that the most interesting thing was meeting people in the doctor's waiting room who were going back and playing tennis, traveling, and uh, one who was practicing law. And we would talk to her and meet her on that weekly basis. And she was getting her chemotherapy and going back to the court. So some people had really good responses to the chemotherapy. Did those people that you spoke with that were having a good response, was it with pancreatic cancer or a different type of cancer? No, it was exclusively pancreatic cancer oh. that this doctor treated. That's amazing because a lot of times, you know, the treatment has changed over the years where some people are able to go back to work. But I've just heard mostly from people, you know, dealing with other cancers as that's happened, not always with pancreatic cancer. But I'm glad that you at least had that option to, you know, where she was able to do treatment. Did she, I'm sorry, I don't know if I asked, did she have any severe, any bad side effects with it at all? She had neuropathy and nausea and vomiting, but medicines were able to mostly control those. So we were able to, to mitigate that. A lot of fatigue, very sleepy, very tired. But uh, again, even till the last week, uh, one of the funny things is before I took her to the hospital last time, she asked me if she could dance with me. And as my wife can tell you, I don't like to dance. I'm horrible. She does not like to dance. But I did it, and she enjoyed it. And it was, they were a good 19 months. I'm glad that at least you did have that. And thank you for dancing with her. I know maybe you didn't like it, but, you know, I'm sure that really meant a lot to her to, to have that last dance. So um, I really appreciate you you sharing that story with us. It's oh, sure. Sure. Very, very difficult. I, I know, again, but like we say, we want people to understand how devastating this disease is. And this, we're not just statistics. It, we're people, we're wives, mothers, fathers, you know, children. It, it's just something we really need to bring out to the open. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Sure. Is there anything else you would like to tell us about, about your, I'm sorry, I don't know your wife's name, about your wife or her, her journey at all? Uh, her name was Sally. Oh, thank you. And uh, she, again, it was a hospice nurse. So there was a little resistance in terms of, of fighting in that she didn't see that as a necessary thing to do. But after talking to our sons and seeing the granddaughters, she made the decision to really give it a fight. And she had wide, wide uh, metastases just about everywhere and had a lot of complications and still fought. So um, I'm glad she did. I am, Tim. I'm, again, happy that you shared her story. And to be a hospice nurse, that's in itself is just such a unique thing and so special. So I'm really you know, happy to hear that she was able to do that and give, I'm sure, other people some peace and some um, moments in, in their end. So thank you for that. Dwayne, can you just share a little bit about yourself and your connection to pancreatic cancer as well? Sure. My husband was diagnosed in 2003 um, after really feeling quite well for the bulk of the year. And toward the end of the year, he started feeling fatigue. 
had a best friend who was his family doctor, went, uh, had all the basic checkups and so forth. Everything was okay. Still didn't feel so well, had a second look, decided he needed a few, he didn't needed a few stents, and then that would probably be the problem. So he had that done. Uh, a week or so later, well, still not feeling great. Went back, they did a CAT scan. Um, they said it's not cancer. <laughs> and he continued to feel lousy for another maybe week. And they finally did a CAT scan that went just a bit lower on his abdomen. And they found stage four um, pancreatic cancer. Uh, his tumor was a little different. It was wrapped around an important artery that takes blood from the heart and innervates the intestines. And so it was located in a place which couldn't be removed despite the metastases. And so he was diagnosed in September after being probably ill for maybe, or not feeling well, I should say, because he went to work every day. So after about two, three weeks is when we definitely knew it was something worse and was diagnosed. And that was September, mid-September, and he went through chemotherapy, went through very aggressive chemotherapy and radiation. Uh, we took him to Johns Hopkins to see if he might be eligible for a Whipple. He was not because of the location of the tumor. Um, and his treatment lasted about, oh gosh, three months and he passed away in late December in 2003 after three months. You said that he continued to work when, even though he wasn't feeling 100%. What type of work did he do? He was a civil engineer for the Department of Pennsylvania. Oh, so he had a management job. And he was responsible for a lot of the highway systems throughout that part of the state. And he loved his job, so he couldn't see any reason not to go. <laughs> well, I'm glad you felt up to, to going. That can make a big difference sometimes. Absolutely. And the, the symptoms that he did have, was that really anything that you, you could put your finger on or what they were you relating it to maybe stress or was he like active in sports or exercise or anything like that? He was a pretty robust person. So I'm thinking there was nothing that was a signal other than he felt some fatigue. I had uh, had a, uh, a meeting in New York and I was gone for a few days and we came back and said, I just don't feel well. He said, I can't really put my finger on it. It's, it's just fatigue and I'm not usually tired. So you know, he followed it up within a very short period of time. And it was quite a shock to almost everyone that this was the issue because they had checked him out in numerous other regards. His tumor was just in a spot that wasn't caught. It was difficult. But by the time he was diagnosed, of course, it would have been pretty late in the game anyway. You said that he did receive chemotherapy and radiation. Did he have any any side effects or severe symptoms from that? Well, it was a, he chose to take a very aggressive route with this, knowing how bad it was. And so some of it was very, very difficult. Uh, in some instances, uh, the medication, because it affected his intestinal tract, wreaked havoc with that. And that was extremely uh, stressful and difficult. But up until that point, he was he was managing okay. I mean, we had a decent quality of each day. We used to say we would squeeze the juice out of every day, <laughs> the positives. And so um, 
we were pretty much at home during that whole period, uh, not really doing anything else except occasionally having friends over. But he was he was really pretty sick. I'm I'm sorry um, for your both of your losses. Thank you for sharing with us. As far as how did you two meet? Match.com. <laughs> Online, oddly enough. <laughs> wow. And did you know, or when did you find out you both had this thing in common? We, when we met each other, um, we went for dinner and uh, we just started the usual conversation, right? About what do you do? What do you do? What do you like? All that sort of thing. And, and you know, you have to get to the, you know, the difficult parts of explaining to someone else who you are in that regard. And it was an, oh, by the way, you know, my husband passed away like, 18 years ago and his passed away so many years ago and pancreatic cancer we just stopped dead and just went i just went huh i mean the chances of that i can't even compute how rare that must be yeah really rare yeah i would think i mean i really to be honest with you i expected maybe you both had met in a support group is what i was thinking so to be online dating and to meet that way and then to you know have dinner and say oh you know i lost my spouse to pancreatic cancer i can just i mean i can just see your jaws dropping i know mine would drop if that's how i it still <laughs> drops a bit now i mean we're still quite surprised i don't think we were given much choice as i understand it Dwayne's daughter who's very loving caring uh, daughter of, of chuck who, who died uh, really pushed Dwayne to go online and to meet people and to have some interaction and I got pushed the same way. I was at a at a New Year's Eve party at a condo I'd moved to, and it was about uh, a year and a half since my wife had died. And the woman's really kind. She said, uh, we talked a bit, and she said, you just don't belong alone all the time. You interact with people, you like people, but you just seem lonely. I want you to leave and go home and go sign up for an online dating system and don't come back until you've done it. <laughs> And so, did, did you yeah. sign up yourself or did somebody sign you up? Were you able to do it on your own? I mean, just because, you know, it's something that would be a difficult thing to want to do or to do. Yeah, because she was a great cook. I wanted to get invited back. <laughs> so we had dinner with them last yeah, weekend. Yeah, so we've been invited back. So, th so I would tell people that those are the kind of friends you need. People, There's a time to hold your hand and feel sorry for you, but there's also a time to urge people to move toward positive things in your life. And so the words get over it are very offensive, but the words look for joy, look for happiness, look for companionship, look for spending times that make your life worthwhile as a, sorry, as a, um, as a, as a process for you. It's, it's hard to get started, but that's something a friend can sometimes do better than anyone else. Or a daughter. <laughs> And I'm glad you really brought that up because that is something that we run across a lot of times, you know, is in our grief or what we're going through. People will sometimes say, well, come on, get over it. It's time to move on and to get over it. So I really like that little piece of advice that you just gave as far as, you know, knowing when and how do you know when to be that friend to come up and say it's time to find more joy in your life? You have to you have to know the person who's who's grieving and they have to know that your motivations are to help them rather than to just be annoyed about your sadness or annoyed about your discussions of your past. 
the two have to be in sync. It's the best interest of the person who's being suffering sadness. And I think when that happens and you have the right personality to encourage people, sometimes you have to take their hand and, and, and go to a grief therapy or go out to dinner or invite people to have dinner with you and have foursomes, sixsomes, eightsomes. Those are the kinds of things that people can do very kindly without using the phrase, move on, get over it. It, it, it really, it's, it's what you do more than just what you say. I, I really like that. That's just um, taking, how long, how long um, was it before you were able to get in back into the, I don't want to say dating, but back into, into doing things, into living life and finding the joy. How long did it take you to get back into that? Took me a little longer. <laughs> um, my sister um, got sick right after my husband died. And that was my only other sibling. So that added another year or two to the process. But that she did not have pancreatic cancer. She had a different form of cancer. So I was a little slower to get back on the horse, so to speak, just to socialize. Uh, but, I, but I got there. <laughs> and Lee, was it any easier or sooner for you? It was a year and a half. And before that, I would... I would get invited to people's homes after it had been a year, people would invite someone over that I didn't know. And I was invited, both of them would be widowed or divorced and just alone. And sometimes those were a little more awkward actually than meeting online because there was no pressure to it. It was simply just, we're here to just have dinner, nothing more, and that was it. But the spark was there the first time we met. Well, it had a lot more to do with the spark that we have a lot of other interests and just obviously have a romantic attraction to each other beyond just a similar story. Yeah, and you guys are a great looking couple. And I, I do see that spark when we were able to be together briefly. And you can see it just when you're joining our call, our Zoom calls for our meeting. So I'm really happy that you guys have found each other. And I really, just to go back to some advice maybe that you could give to caregivers or and this is a question I'm sorry that just popped up as far as when you were after you lost your your husband and your wife did people tend to come closer to you or tend to navigate away it was a mixed bag for me uh, as a woman uh, sometimes other couples were more reluctant to include the odd one which I think is more uh, something you see with women rather than with men that was my experience, but well, the people that sustained me really were close family, my, hus my husband's family, and the great people that I worked with. I mean, you know, we all kept plodding on, and they were very supportive. They weren't overly hovering, but they, they were always there if I needed somebody, and they, they taught me how to laugh again, and uh, were very accepting. For me, that was the key. Lee, did you experience the same, or was yours any different? Yes, it was different. So I first uh, approached grief therapy at my church, and I love my church, but the grief therapy was not helpful. I was unfortunately made to feel a little guilty that I went back to work and was taking care of patients again, which I found very therapeutic. Shared that with uh, another member of the therapist, therapy group who was a dentist, and he said, I'm finding the same thing. So we left and just went back to work and felt much better just having a conversation with each other once in a while on the phone. So I found that there were some things that were 
negative and some things that were helpful. Uh, I had some friends who would invite me over for Thanksgiving or for Christmas with their families. And I had some who invited me over after a year to meet other women who also were in the same situation, just at a large dinner party, not really a date. We would just show up. But then I had an equal number of friends who just became a little more distant, didn't want to talk about death, didn't want to talk about whether or not I was sad, Uh, probably just didn't want to see me get tearful, just made them uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't think we know sometimes how to handle grief and people's feelings and what we want to say the right thing and sometimes we we don't and our actions we want to do better but sometimes our actions say something negative when that's not really what we mean i know that you both obviously lost somebody to this disease and what we do see a lot is either people get very very involved or they try to distance themselves as much as possible why did you choose to get involved Involved in PANCAN? In PANCAN, in bringing awareness, um, just in continuing the fight for your spouses. Just I hope that it helped. I think probably 90% that to honor our, our um, lost spouses and to kind of pay back for all the gifts we were given, people fighting for us and helping us like PANCAN and the oncologists and friends who were helpful. Probably 10% because we want some improvement for our own children who are at risk because it's a strongly genetic disease. And so we'd like to see some improvement for our family members in the future. Well, I want to thank you both for doing that because as a survivor, I greatly appreciate it. And as one who's lost many family members, I also appreciate what you're doing. You both are sharing a role in the Orange County affiliate of PANCAN as the outreach chair. What are your goals? Or what do you help your goals to be? My goals are when the pandemic re- is reduced is to make this organization known to more and more people. Uh, I've made a, a step to try to get invited to uh, newscasts on television, I'm waiting for a, a response. And I think we just need to find the pandemics reduced before we're going to have public discussions and public uh, presentations. And we just need to network with people who know someone who knows someone who would invite us to talk about it. I Health have. fairs, I, I'm, I'm assuming will be available again in the future and when they are, and I look regularly to find ones that are open. When they are, I just hope to go out and answer people's questions and help them understand that it is worth fighting because PANCAN and other organizations have been able to demonstrate, we've been able to double the survival from 5% to 10% at five years. I think our goal before we leave this earth is to get to 50% or higher. Oh, thank you, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and you know, I, I'm sorry, your your story really has been very interesting and unique and I had a whole lot of other questions that we're not even gonna be able to get to. So I really hope you both will consider either coming back sometime or doing another uh, Zoom session. But, um, Basically, I wanted to, can you explain really, really quickly, because we do get this question a lot, is what is the pancreas and what does it do? Yeah, it's a unique organ in that it's both endocrine and exocrine. So endocrine makes hormones that work through the bloodstream, like insulin and glucagon to control your sugar. And then the exocrine is it squirts out some enzymes that help you digest food. So you need it for both reasons. However, I had patients who had no pancreas, had pancreatectomies, 
And we were able to take care of that. We were able to give them insulin. We were able to give them enzymes and sustain their life relatively well. So it's an important organ, but it's not a vital one. It's difficult to remove. It does lead to these complications. But I'm hopeful we're going to be able to find ways to remove parts of a pancreas or to eradicate parts that have cancer before things have spread and still have a good quality of life for people. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And again, I would love to have you come back on sometime and talk a little bit more in depth. But before we do go, do you have any advice for other caregivers or any pearls of wisdom that you'd like to share, both of you? Oh, there's a lot, I guess. Um, Depends on the situation. I think an open conversation is always the most beneficial, at least in my case. Not to gloss over anything, but also to find those positive things in each day that you have with your loved one. I think that's pretty critical. That would be my my first and foremost. So for caregivers, I I think they need to really reach out, look for resources that are available. PANCAN's an excellent resource. The social service departments of hospitals are excellent resources. Often there are resources available to patients and their caregivers that they just don't even think about. So networking, contacting other people, and often you can just come back with, gee, I didn't know this was available. I didn't know that was an option. It takes some of the stress off just to know that people are there to help. I think what's hard about this disease too is sometimes you don't have enough time to even comprehend what you might do to reach out. You know what I mean? In my case, it was so fast and furious that there was hardly time to think. Uh, it, It never even occurred to me. I mean, and I worked in in sort of a quasi um, health field, and it didn't even occur to me. I had three months, and it was just a whirlwind. And you really are overwhelmed. So sometimes the whole idea of it doesn't even occur. So the outreach hopefully will make people aware that things are available, and uh, hopefully make a difference. Bring this horrible disease to light in a way that it really hasn't had the care and and attention that it needed. I would also offer, I don't think there is nobility in being a caregiver alone, suffering and handling this without help. And I perceive, I I, I saw that a few times with patients that they felt they just needed to suffer along with their spouse or their loved one. And you do suffer automatically, but there's no reason not to accept health, help, help and get some uh, networking and some guidance from other people who are going through the same thing. And PanCan offers that very option. Yes, they do. And I, I want to thank you both for, for um, doing the show with us today and talking about this. Like I said, I know it can be very emotional and it's hard to bring things back up again, but I feel it is very important to bring this awareness out and again, to give a face to, to our disease, to pancreatic cancer. So I thank you both for your honesty and sharing with us. And I hope I didn't wasn't too difficult, but I do greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. So thank you so much. You're more than thank welcome. You. Well, there you have it. Another example of why you should tune in each and every week. As we take a journey together and talk with those who are really living with pancreatic cancer and how they deal with it on a daily basis to give us some hope, ideas, information, education, and inspiration.
sharing the real-life stories of those really affected and how they deal with it on a daily basis. If you're open to sharing your story, boy, we'd sure love to hear it. Contact us here at the station or at PanCan. And if you or anyone you know has immediate need, they are in hurt, they're in pain, they're wondering what to do. We do have a patient service number for you. Write this down or check it out in our show notes. 877 and the number 2, PanCan. That's 877, the number 2, and then P-A-N-C-A-N for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Right here in the OC Talk Radio Network. Streaming live from the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. Paul Roberts inviting you to join us again as we share this journey together.